Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanalist podcast, second one of the year. Uh, today we'll be looking forward ahead to the semi-finals at Antalya and also the quarter-finals being played tonight at Delray Beach, the first two tournaments of the year. As ever, Marcus joins me. Marcus, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. There's been some interesting developments in both of these tournaments so far. And yeah, as ever, it's just good to be back and um, looking at the tennis and yeah, um, looking forward to the closing exchanges of these tournaments. Yeah, very much so. Last last episode, we didn't really have any results to be talking about, whereas of course now we have. So let's get on with it. So we'll start in Antalya. Uh, the quarterfinals took place this morning on the day that we're recording uh, with the two semifinals coming up tomorrow. Um, we'll start at the top of the draw. Uh, both these semifinals are very much uh, sort of the new against, perhaps the old is a little bit harsh, but um, the two, two younger players against two very experienced and, and, and well well-nurtured players on the tour. The first one being Kazakhstan's Alexandra Bublik, 23 years old, uh, and he will take on the 33-year-old Jeremy Shardy. Uh, they'll be their first meeting, haven't played before. Uh, Bublik a little bit, rank, uh, a little higher ranked than Shardy, although Shardy has been as high as 25 uh, back in 2013. Uh, both have had some brilliant results uh, in the build-up to this. Bublik getting through against the number one seed Berrettini earlier today, 7-6, 6-4, being a breakdown in that first set. A really good comeback from him. Uh, and and Shardy uh, has come through some really good tests, uh, tie-breaking every set in a three-set match against Fanini yesterday uh, and coming back from a set-down against Jan and the Schrift today. So the, really showing, though he's ranked quite a bit lower than his career high, really showing that he can maybe push up further in the rankings uh, this year. Marcus, what, what have you made of both of these players' tournaments? Yeah, I'm very enthusiastic about um, the performances of both these players in this tournament. It's good to see them both start the year very well. I mean, it's a big pat on the back for us with uh, Alexander Bublik getting past Matteo Berrettini in straight sets. What, what has been uh, reported or treated as a, a as quite a big shock, but um, a um, a match up and a, and a winner that we both we both picked out um, before the tournament had even started. At 23, I think Bublik is just about coming of age. You know, I think we we've seen some. He took a few years to sort of break into the top 100 and get some consistent results going. But definitely now a player inside the top 50 who I think will be looking to kick on this year and one who um, you know, can be competing for titles, particularly at 250 level. Definitely at 250 level can be competing for titles in the, in the semi-final, final stage, um, particularly on the hard courts, of course. And yeah, getting that Berrettini win, you know, he's not dropped a set yet in this tournament either. So yeah, he's looking very impressive. And I have to say, I make him big favourite for this semi-final match with Jeremy Shardy. It's been great to see this form from Shardy. Obviously, he's 33 years old now. He's a player that we've got to know very well on the tour. He's provided some quality entertainment over the years. And, um, you know, none other than this week. Obviously, you mentioned that epic match with Fonini too. Well, Fonini wasn't really at his best, but Shardy definitely made him pay for it. And then, obviously, saving match points against Jean-Leonard Struff today is another 
another excellent win and it just um speaks to the the competitor that is Jeremy Shardy I don't I I don't know, maybe a bold claim to say that he might not get in the top 50 ever again, but I don't think he'll ever get in the top 40 ever again. Um, so just to get to this, his first semi-final in, in two years on, on the ATP tour, I saw on Twitter today. So an impressive week for him. And um, yeah, it just sums up one of, the, one of the good guys on the tour. And you can always rely that, that Shardy will put in, a, put in a performance. Yeah, 10 years uh, between these two players, very different players. Um, Shardy only actually has the one title to his name, which did surprise me a little bit when I was doing my research before the pod. I thought Shardy would have won two or three titles at least, uh, but just the one title. Um, so, yeah, uh, really, really interesting match. I think, obviously, I've got to stick with Bublik like you. We, we put him to, to get to the final uh, before this tournament. We both have... Uh, him to lose to Alex Di Manure in the final, who we'll come on to uh, in a second. But yeah, really tough match. I definitely think we could see this one going three sets. Um, Shardy already having had two long three set matches, um, potentially could be a little bit tired, but that more senior age. But then also, you know, with these shorter matches, just the best of three set matches, you do find that often. Uh, they don't really make you as tired so much and they give you a chance to sort of play your way in a little bit. So it might even be uh, an advantage for Shardy who uh, has, has had more time out on court. Um, so moving on to the second quarterfinal, um, you, you touched on Bublik. Apart from our sort of predictions, uh, it may be seen as a little bit surprised that he did get to the semi. This one, however, very much uh, one you... You could have picked out by the seedings. It's the fourth seed against the second seed. Uh, we'll start with Alex Dimoneur, the 21-year-old, a really exciting Australian player. Um, has a tendency to start the years really well. A couple of years ago, uh, winning the title in, I believe it was Sydney. Uh, I could be wrong on that. But uh, he, he won a, a 250 tournament a couple of years ago as the, the first tournament back. Um, and he's up against the 30-year-old experienced David Goffin, the second seed. Um, Goffin fought back from a set down in his first round match to beat uh, Herbert of France, 3-6, uh, 7-5, and then 6-love in the third set. And he actually backed this up in the next match, winning his first set in that match, 6-love, uh, and then 6-2 against the German Kuhn, uh, also through very comfortably in the last round against uh, Chevalier. Uh, Dimoneur uh, had it a little bit more straightforward, uh, not having had that three set match. In fact, he's actually gone through his three matches in straight sets at the expense of just 13 games. Uh, on average, that's just over four, four games dropped a match. Really good statistic. Um, beating six seed Basilashvili earlier today uh, alongside the experienced Malik Jaziri and also the qualifier uh, Adriana Dreve. I think we'll uh, uh, both stick with Dimoneur in this one. I certainly will. I think he's looked more impressive. He's come through all his matches very comfortably. He also holds uh, a 1-0 head-to-head against Goffin with that match coming at the Davis Cup. That was in straight sets. Um, so my pick for this one is definitely Dimoneur. Marcus, how, how do you look at this? I've got to agree. Yeah, obviously we both picked him before the tournament began. I don't think we can read too much into his previous matches. I think that's three very straightforward wins to get into the semi-final of this event. I know Basil Ashby's got a bit of pedigree on the tour, but he's lost 
a lot of matches, um, particularly in the second half of last year. Um, coming into this match, obviously, David Goffin, an amazing turnaround against Pierre Ugues-Hebert in the first round. Um, the Frenchman had five match points on his own serve, and he is quite a handy server, is Hebert. Um, Goffin managed to turn it around, so very impressive from him. It's an interesting point you bring up about Jeremy Shardy maybe get, um, playing himself into some form on court. I know the margins of Goffin's victories have been a lot, um, a lot more comfortable than that of Shardy, but you know, at 30 years old, he's, he's seven places above De Menor in the rankings at 16. So, you know, there's a chance that he could be more of a more of a reliable pick for this one. He's definitely been there and done it more often than De Menor. And as you say, De Menor um, been impressive at, at the starts of of years on the ATP tour. Goffin is a player that's done it sort of year in year out, not to a prolific standard, but um, you know, he's been less streaky. I think you'd have to say than Alex De Menor in the, in the in the early early parts of his career, but um, yeah, I've got to stick with the Australian. Could could be a good match this one if Goffin turns up. Um, similar styles, really. Two smaller players um, that need a lot of running and some punchy forehands will definitely be on show in, in this match. But no, I have to agree. We've got to go with Demonor, and um, yeah, I'm confident that he could take public out in the final as well. Uh, so there's also been uh, some other action this week in Delray Beach. But just before we come on to that, uh, the Australian Open uh, qualifying is happening this week. That's happening out in uh, Doha and Dubai um, because of the quarantine period that they have in Australia. I think the logistics, they've had them playing in, and it's quite confusing, but they've had them playing in the Middle East. So then they can have time to come into the country uh, but ahead of a tournament in February. I can, however, break the news to you that uh, the second of two Brits in the uh, male qualifying has just gone out. Early and Brody losing in straight sets to Constant Lestien. I hope I said that right. Uh, Jay Clark also going out uh, in the first round yesterday. So, unfortunately, uh, there'll be the no British qualifiers at the Australian Open this year. Uh, so, just going on to Delray Beach, uh, four quarterfinals coming up, uh, starting at half five. Uh, definitely two in there uh, that stand out more than the other two. So, we'll start with them. Uh, the one that I picked out as the uh, most entertaining quarterfinal uh, is definitely a uh, an example of the new versus the old with a 20-year-old Sebastian Corder coming up against his 15 years to the senior, John Isner, at 35. It did surprise me when I read that John Isner was 35. I knew he was in his 30s, but I didn't realise he was quite that into his 30s. Um, Corder actually is holding uh, a 1-0 lead in the head-to-head. -head. Uh, he beat Isner in four sets at the French Open last year. Uh, that was when he was just sort of coming onto the scene, albeit, of course, Isner is, is not known for his clay court tennis. Um, could be a really interesting matchup, this one. Uh, Isner's only played one match. Uh, there's a uh, bye system in this tournament, and, and being the second seed, he had a bye during the first round, come through in straight sets against Thiago Montero in the second. Uh, Corder getting through in straight sets against Korn of... Uh, South Korea, and then uh, coming back from the set down against Tommy Paul, who we both picked 
to go further in this tournament. So really, really impressive display from Sebastian Calder. And I think I, I would say he possibly goes into this match. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know his favourite, but I think he definitely goes in at a level with his. And I think he could definitely give him a, a, a good match. What do you think, Marcus? Well, I, I agree. I think maybe he does come in with a as a narrow favourite. I think this this speaks to the form that Cord has shown in the last last few months. That if he beats John Isner, I don't think many tennis fans would be that surprised. Which you know, looking at a player who's one hundred nineteen in the world, that's you know, it's got to be pretty pretty imp- impressive. You know, he's from uh, Florida, and and that's where Delray Beach is being held. So he's a local lad. I'm sure it would mean a lot to him to go deep into this tournament. And yeah, I completely agree with you. This is the pick of the quarterfinals. Um, often I don't enjoy watching John Isner too much, but when you've got an exciting player like Corder on the other side of the net, then um, yeah, this could be a, a really interesting match. And of course, as you mentioned with us both back in Tommy Paul, I had him to get to the final and beat Isner in this one. So considering the form that Corder showed to come from behind to beat Tommy Paul in that um, second round match, I think I'm, I'm going to have to go for Corder to beat John Isner here and really, um, you know, really stake a claim to be one of the players to watch as we move into the first few months of the season. Um, it probably take take quite a lot of confidence to win over Isner. I know it's on clay, so it is very, very different compared to compared to how this match will play out. But no, I'm, I'm going to have to give a slight edge to Sebastian Corder in this one. Yeah, very interesting. I think it's really exciting to see a young player playing well, especially at the beginning of the year. Um, just sort of setting up what will hopefully be a, a really successful year for Corder as he climbs up. He only really came into the fold uh, post the first lockdown uh, of COVID. I, I don't really think I'd heard of Sebastian Corder uh, prior to the sort of revised schedule at the end of last year. And then I think he almost just sort of came out of nowhere and, and started getting some really good wins, including that one against Isner at the French, which is a, a really, really good win because despite it being at the French, you know, John Isner has pedigree at Grand Slams. We've seen him uh, go very far, I think, semi-final at Wimbledon um, and, and at the US Open. So, um, yeah, really, really fantastic pedigree at Grand Slam. Um, the second quarterfinal uh, that really stands out for me being uh, Francis Tiafo, the man that I picked to win the tournament. Um, he comes up against Britain's Cameron Norrie. There's only 12 places between them in the rankings. Uh, it's their first meeting against each other. Tiafo is the 2018 champ, uh, I believe, uh, winning the Delray Beach. I, I know it was, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain it was 2018 that he won it. Um, just 22 years old, Tiafo, me and Marcus were chatting in the week and I said it really surprised me. Uh, Tiafo was still this young. It feels like he's been around a long time, which I suppose he has been, and perhaps not kicked on as much as people expected him uh, to. He uh, got through in straight sets in the first round against Donald Young, um, but didn't look convincing last night uh, against the world number 274, uh, Bjorn Fratangelo, uh, dropping a set, uh, but, but managing to pick himself up and win the, the third set quite comfortably. Uh, Norrie, on the other hand, uh, another... Uh, a British player, 25 years old. Uh, can, we've seen him play at the top of his game. He could definitely be a player pushing on a lot higher than 74 in the rankings, which is where he is now. Um, he's come through in uh, 
very convincing fashion, 6-2-6-1 against America's Aragon in the first round before defeating Adrian Manorino, 6-2-7-5, which is a brilliant victory. You know, we've talked about Manorino a fair bit on this podcast and just about sort of the stubbornness uh, of him, not maybe relying so much on one particular area of his game, but almost just seeming to get everything back across the net. So for Nori to come through that in really convincing fashion is, is really impressive. And though I tipped Tiafo to win this tournament, I actually think due to recent form, I am starting to lean towards uh, Nori. He's just looked fantastic at this tournament and, and looking really good from a British point of view. Yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed. I remember in the first... Um, in, or in our last episode, first episode, talking about Deray Beach, of course, we, we looked at the quarterfinals and I said that Tiafo versus Norrie would have been one that I'd be really excited to watch um, if, it, if it came to fruition, which of course it has. Sadly, our time, this one will start not before one o'clock in the morning. So I'm a little bit gutted about that. Um, yeah, I'll be checking the score as soon as I wake up tomorrow morning. Um, but no, I expect this to be a really good match. Looking at it on paper, it's two players that you've got to say should be in the top 50 in the world. You know, you've got Tiafo at six, uh, 62, Norris 74. No doubt in my mind that they should be getting into the top 50 this year, possibly even higher. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Norris has looked better in this in this tournament. I do have him to beat um, Tiafo and make the semi-final in, the, in our predictions league. Um, and yeah, I completely agree with you about the Manorino win. Made that look very easy. Many a, many a good player will struggle to... Um, brush Manorino aside in straight sets. So the way he's done it is is very impressive. Um, he leads the head-to-head 1-0 against Tiafo with a win that came in the Hopman Cup in 2019. Not sure how much we can read into that one. Um, but yeah, I am, I am going to stick with Cameron Norrie on this one. Um, I think you have to allow Bjorn Fratangelo, the guy with a massive serve, to play quite well and get a set off Tiafo. I don't think that's as much of a blow considering the fashion that Tiafo won the, the the deciding set, I think it was 6-1 or 6-2. So it was pretty impressive. So he built a 6-1, yeah. So he built a little bit of momentum in that final set. Um, however, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Cameron Norrie to beat the former champion in this one. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be an exciting match. I, I reckon three sets for sure. Yeah, I'd written their head-to-head down at nil-nil, but I uh, had looked on the ATP website and I'm wondering if maybe they're, they're not listing the Hopman Cup uh, matches, because I believe that's the, the mixed event uh, that is done with the women's players as well. Uh, two other quarterfinals here that we'll just sort of touch over uh, a, a bit lighter. Um, the first one being the fourth seed, uh, Huber Herkash. Um, I've got real chances of winning this tournament now. I think the draws sort of opened up for him a bit. Um, I, I think we both picked him to get to the final. Um well, Marcus, you might have him to win, actually. Yeah, Marcus has him to win. Uh, I've got him to get to the final and lose to Tiafo. Um, yeah, as I say, the fourth seed. Um, he's only played one match because of the bye system and a very convincing 6-2-6 win uh, against uh, South American uh, Galan and coming up against another South American uh, today of Ecuador, I believe, uh, Roberto Quiros. Uh, who's looked very impressive, actually. Not really a player that I know much about. Uh, He's qualified for this. His name's been in and around the sort of Challenger 250 tour for a little while, I think. But I I, I don't 
really recall a, a lot about him, but he's beaten Noah Rubin in straight sets before coming up against the eight-time title winner, Ivo Karlovic, at the impressive 41 years of age. Uh, and he beat Karlovic at the expense of just six games. So, um, Hakash looking... Re- oh, sorry, that Roberto Quiros um, looking really strong ahead of that Hakash match. But I think looking at the surface, looking at the, the sort of pedigree of player that we know Hakash is becoming, I, I would definitely favour uh, the pole in that match. And then just before I come to you, Marcus, I'll just quick mention to the fourth uh, quarterfinal, perhaps not a spectacular, uh, starting at half five, may have finished before you guys listen to this one. Um, Christian Harrison ranked 789th, uh, coming back from injury, just got inside the top 200 a couple of years ago and has had a, a real torrid time of injury. Uh, he's done very well, actually. He defeated the number one seed, Christian Garin, 7-6-6-2. Uh, and he comes up, albeit Garin, uh, not a player that we'd expect to see uh, winning titles on a hard court at the moment. So though he was number one seed with the context sort of put to that, not a player we were expecting to win this tournament. Uh, and Christian Harrison comes up against Jean-Luca Majer, just outside the top 100. Has been inside it before, though. Um, he came back from a set down to defeat Ryan Harrison in his first round before very impressively defeating uh, Sam Query 7-6-6-1. Uh, so, and I believe that was after uh, an impressive win from Query. And the name of his opponent in the first round has escaped me. So, Marcus, I'm hoping you can fill in there. But, um, yeah, I think um, a, a match that really could go either way, that one. Yeah, just to talk about that Majer Harrison match initially, um, both 26 years old, and obviously it's the third American in a row that Jean-Luc Majer is going to play in this tournament. Um, he's beaten Christian's older brother Ryan Harrison um, in the in the first round. Yeah, I found out today that um, they were actually brothers. Yeah, I didn't know they were brothers. I think Harrison's such a generic surname. Uh, I, I wasn't aware of that, but fair enough. Yeah, 28. They both and had a torrid time with with injuries then. Mm, yeah, sadly, none of them really managed to reach what they would have expected at the beginning of the, their career. But this has been a very impressive run from Christian Harrison, beating Christian Garin in straights, whether it's on the clay court or a hard court, given the gap in the rankings and in even career high and titles is is very impressive. Um, but yeah, so Majer, Majer going to beat his, his third straight American. I'm not so sure. I think Christian Harrison might be slight favourites with the bookies. I did check today. So this one's pretty open. Um, maybe I will just plump for Jean-Luc Maguire. I think the win over Sam Query was pretty impressive, considering um, Query, you know, is a Grand Slam semi-finalist and on, a, on American shores, he's definitely a tough player to contend with. So I'll go for Maguire in that match, and then pretty straightforward pick to go with Hubert Hercash to beat Roberto Quiros. If Roberto Quiros has played a main draw tournament. Um, um, in his career, it was a very long time ago. You know, he's got a career high of 172. So that doesn't suggest you're even qualifying for these main tour events most weeks. He's a he's a he's a challenger level player. Um, I think I, I don't think the win over a 41 Evo 41 year old Evo Karlovic really speaks that much. Um, you know, the Croatian tends to hit a serve and hope for the best these days. That's pretty harsh but he hasn't got the ground strokes that he used to is what I'm trying to say um, so yeah Kiros I don't think he really stands a chance against Hubert Hercash 
Um, so yeah, Majer, Herkash, Nori, and Corda to make the semi-finals for me. Uh, I will agree with you on three of them. I'm going to go for Christian Harrison to beat Majer. Uh, I think he's just, you know, had. I, I think that win against Garen will, will really fire him up. I think, you know, Query uh, is a good win for Majer. I know he's had some problems prior to the tournament. Uh, believe there was an issue with him. Uh, breaking lockdown rules and and he'd had a few off court issues with that. Um, not saying that 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 would have uh, put him off playing against Majer, but I do think sometimes uh, Query can often if he if he does if he doesn't bring his serve to the match, he can be a player that uh, a player like Majer could get past. But yeah, that's the only difference uh, I will go with. So that's pretty much rounding up. Uh, the two tournaments uh, enjoy watching the rest of them if you're going to do that um, I think we've, we've both uh, both picked Dimonor to be winning Antalya and then I think Delray Beach as far as our predictions are concerned uh, I'm assuming Marcus will be sticking with her cash uh, I'm a little bit unsure whether I should be sticking with my TFO after yesterday's result I think uh, her cash could definitely be uh, a good a good choice for that one. And we'll be going on to the next section now. And uh, I believe Marcus has done me a guest to player just in time for this episode. So after I gave him, uh, I gave you a tricky one last time, didn't I? I've already forgotten who I've given uh, you. Milos Raonic for last episode. Milos Raonic. I made the clues quite difficult. Uh, and Marcus has promised me that this one could be quite tricky. So uh, I'm ready for it. Yeah, so... Good player over the years, someone that I've enjoyed quite a lot. Um, his career high ranking is the first clue. This player's career high ranking is 17. Okay, if you say that you've enjoyed watching him over the years, then that maybe has given me a, a little bit of a, a hint. Because it could be a double bluff. Could be, could be. Um, career high of 17. But from that, I'm going to guess he could be a slightly older player. Um, let's go for... Um, uh, that Every player I think of is... They would have been higher than that. Uh, we'll we'll just have a guess at um, Herbert. I don't think he's, I don't think he's got that high. To be honest, um, he's probably got top four. He, he's probably pushed top thirty. I don't think he's. Yeah, I would think he might have top thirty. Possibly. Um, second clue. Uh, this player has made a quarterfinal at the French Open, which was his best Grand Slam performance, but never got past the third round anywhere else. Oh, wow. Okay, so we're going to assume uh, a clay court suited player, but I reckon you might be trying to bluff me as I did with you, Brian Itch, last time. Um, but I don't know, that definitely would indicate they're quite a clay court specialist. Um, Trying to think if I can remember any particular runs to French Open quarterfinals that have been a bit out of nowhere. I remember Hugo Gaston doing it last year, but he's certainly 
never been as high as 17 in the world. Um, shall we go for, oh no, Pella has been in a Wimbledon quarter. Uh, okay, let's think along the sort of South American clay lines, uh, a little bit older, I'm going to guess. Um, No, uh, let's just go for another another random guess. Uh, we'll go for... Uh, let's go for Christian Garin. No, he's never performed at a slam, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think he had performed at the French, but it just... Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, third clue, he's a one-time Masters 1000 finalist. Okay. Okay, so it's going to be a player who potentially is known for just having sort of big runs. If he's never, he's maybe just had a few big runs here and there, but if he's never been past the third round of another Grand Slam, I mean, I know Ernest Gorbis had a very good run at the French, but I'm fairly certain he made a semi-final of the French. Um as opposed to a quarter. I don't remember him doing that brilliantly at any other slams. Gorbis may have made a Masters 1000 title, uh, final. I don't think it's Gorbis, so I'm going to avoid that for the moment. Um, well, it doesn't really fit with the sort of clay court player vibe, but I know he did make a Masters 1000 final. I don't know, however, if we've, uh, we may have done this one before, but I'm going to go with Filip Krajinovic. Oh, that's an interesting one. No, I like your thinking. He, yeah, Masters final, you bang on there. Uh, it's not Filip Krajinovic. Probably been around 17 in the world, maybe. Maybe. Um, the fourth clue is this bloke turns 33 this Sunday. Hmm, that doesn't really help me. Um, it confirms along the sort of lines that I was thinking. Um, I'm sure Gorbis has made a semi-final at the French. No, nah, maybe not. Gorbis. It's a good effort. It's not Ernest Gorbis. His career... It was his a semi, high, wasn't it? I'm not sure about that. I know his career high was 10, though, and this guy's only 17. Yeah, he's got some yeah I, I think it's a semi-final goal that's made at the French. Yeah. Okay. Fifth and final clue. Should narrow it down a little bit more for you. Is He's Spanish. Ah, okay. Right. That's interesting. I did think of a few Spaniards, but it's not going to be Bautista Agut, because even though the, the age works, he's been higher and he's been at a Wimbledon semi-final. Fernando Vadasco is going to be older than that. Pablo, oh, no, Pablo Carreño Pista has been at a uh, US semi-final. He's been, at, he's been in semi-finals. Um, hmm. 33 this Sunday. Tommy Robredo is going to be too old, I would think. David Ferrer would be older. 
I don't know if I'm just completely forgetting someone. Ooh. I think I might have it, but it might sound really stupid. I know he did get quite high up the rankings at one point, and I think he may have been in a Masters final. 30, yeah, I'm going to risk not getting it at all, but I think this is a player that you've enjoyed watching as well. I'm going to go for Pablo Anzahar. No, it's not Pablo Anzahar. Is it not? Um, you're going to kick yourself because, sadly, well, yeah, this guy's still 45 in the rankings somehow. And it's Albert Ramos Vinolas. Albert Ramos. I feel like Anderhorn nearly fit. He's probably, has he been top 20, do you reckon? Maybe not no. quite. I reckon he may have had a run somewhere in a Masters. Fair enough. I think it's yeah, a like, wishful thinking. I think Pablo Anderhorn would love to have those stats. To be honest, I I could have carried on thinking and I don't think I ever would have got to Albert Ramos because I do kind of just forget that he exists. Um as do I. A lot of the time. Like he he's just kind of your very he's very much your sort of Manorino type he's, player. He's just, rich man's Del Bonis. Just <laughs> yeah, he's just sort of there, but I never not really sure. And I, I would have thought Albert Ramos would have been older than that. I know um our good friend and tennis player uh, Jacob Constant Glemus uh, has trained with Albert Ramos before and, and he knows him personally I believe so um, yeah but other than that I can't really say anything on Albert Ramos so I know we do tend to have maybe a little bit of a discussion on the last person but I'm going to um, I'm not going to throw it back to you because I'm presenting this one do you, but do you want anything to say about Ramos? Um, no I mean he's not a player I can see mixing it in the top 100 definitely the top 50 for very much longer so I thought it was a good chance to get a player like that in before we see him plummet out of relevance in the ATP tour I'm going to tip him to win um, the Australian Open next month uh, if he's even playing and if he wasn't if he isn't playing then you know he would have won it if he was uh, okay, well, that's uh, all about we've got time for today. Um, enjoy the rest of the tennis. Uh, stay safe. Uh, Marcus, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, as always. Yeah, stay safe, everyone. And uh, we'll see you... Be- no, actually, we won't be back uh, beginning of next week. Probably not, because there's a little gap between now and the next tournament. Uh, so we will keep you updated on our Twitter at Tennis Fanalyst uh, as to when we'll next be back. And if you want to get involved with our predictions league, that's tennisdrawchallenge.com and the group is the Tennis Fan- no, Tennis Fanalyst podcast. Thank you very much for listening and see you next time.